Well, hi, I'm Dave Swordlick from Uptown Podcast Studios and Story Cub Video Picture Books. If you would like to learn more, you can head on over to uptownpodcast.com and or storycub.com. Cub, like a little bear. But more importantly, I am a proud member of Ed North, an EdTed meetup group located in the cities of Minneapolis and St. Paul here in the Twin Cities. If you are in the EdTech space anywhere, it, you, you got to check it out, and the events are free. Head on over to ednorth.org. Again, ednorth.org. All right, fine. This is the first time I'm going to say it for the third time. Ednorth.org. Great guest on this Edworth EdTech podcast, Nate Thompson. He is the CEO, CPO of Assessment Systems. They provide software and training consulting services to help organizations make better assessments. If you are into psychometrics, AI, uh, you got it coming, and a whole lot more. It's Nate Thompson on the Edworth EdTech Podcast. Nate Thompson, PhD. Welcome to the Ed North EdTech Podcast. You're currently the CEO and CPO of Assessment Systems. Do you have an office or do you work out of your home? We're a fully virtual company and by coincidence we made that switch before the COVID pandemic hit. So not even an inkling of COVID and you decided to to go remote? Uh, We did. Yeah, it was a great decision. You were were definitely ahead of the curve. How many employees do you have? We got about 25 people on the team. So you've got 25 people working remote. Are you Zoom, Microsoft Teams? How does everybody stay in touch? Oh, we use a lot of Slack and uh, a lot of Google Meet. There are a bunch of assessment programs out there that schools use. Yours seems to be a little unique. Could you tell us about assessment systems? What is assessment systems? Oh, sure. We provide software and training consulting services to go along with it to help organizations make better assessments. And it's not even just limited to education. You know, we do a lot of work in uh, certification or licensure testing, university admissions testing, employment skills testing, anything where you want to test what people have learned and make sure that they've got the skills needed to do a job or anything like that. What category is your biggest customer base? Our biggest customer base is probably high-stakes education exams, working with benchmark assessments, university admissions, university placement, all that sort of thing. Our calling card is really adaptive testing and item response theory. You know, if we talk a little bit about the history of the company later, but we were founded by the original father of computerized adaptive testing with research that was happening at the University of Minnesota in the 1970s. And that's really what we've been known for since then. And who was that person? Professor David J. Weiss. Oh, so you were there when it was a startup. You left and came back. Does that sound correct? Well, it is kind of a startup. So the company's been around since the 70s. You know, it was originally founded out of the research that was happening at the university in the 70s. But then the company spun off a, a very successful 
other company called Insurance Testing Corporation during the 90s. And not very much happened at ASB during that time and, until I joined in 2008. And then I, I wanted to take some of the adaptive testing and in response to the software that put it online, add some automation, uh, some AI-type aspects to it uh, to make it smarter and make it easier for people to use. Not that this is your customer or anything, but I spoke with a sixth grade school teacher, the previous Ed North EdTech podcast, and she likes stuff that is obviously educational, but even more, no, I'm not saying even more so, but just as important, easy to use. So how does your tactical leadership and the evolution of AESC, how does this whole thing work? Yeah, that's really the, the core of my career is trying to make it easier for people to use some of the advanced psychometric methodologies and technologies that are out there. So I mentioned item response theory. Item response theory is a family of machine learning models that are used to develop, score, and analyze pretty much all of the large-scale assessments in the world. You know, so they're not used in you know, schools for classroom assessments very often, but all of those large-scale assessments that you take, whether it is formative assessments in schools, large-scale nursing exams like the bar exam or the nursing exam or medical exams, university admissions, graduate school admissions, all those types of exams are developed and scored using them. And when I started my uh, career, most of the uh, software that did that was DOS-based. And I still remember very critically my first interaction with it. I couldn't get one of the programs to run. And it turns out all of the command code I was written in DOS was working but the file I was using had more than eight characters, which those of you who have used DOS and listening to this know that you can't have a file named more than eight characters. And nowhere did it say you had to do that, but it was you know, just somewhere under the hood limited that. That was a, a very critical point for me, and it, it changed how I looked at software, and I wanted to change the software and the field based on that. I hate stuff like that. How, how long did it take you to discover that, that you can only have eight characters? Several days. I was... Yeah, changing data files, changing control files, changing everything that I could. And eventually I realized, let's just try taking the file name from 10 characters down to six characters and see if it worked in a day. It shows you how far behind the, the world of assessment software or item response theory software was at the time. That's really interesting. You do these tests and you have kind of your main platform, your big boy, fast test. Is that correct? Converted from installable PC software, and now it's cloud-based? Yeah, so FastTest was originally called MicroCat back in the DOS days um, when our company produced it, and then we moved it to being a Windows uh, platform during the 90s, and then in the NOS, we moved it online. The cloud-based ecosystem right now, I use Dropbox and Box and Google and all this stuff. What's the big advantage of going cloud-based? It allows for collaboration across distances. Very important when you're working with organizations that are geographically dispersed. In the case of school assessments, everybody might be in the same school. Uh, but think about if you're dealing with a national certification exam. You might have experts living in 10 different states, and they're all working to make this exam as good as they can and publish it and deliver it to people across all 50 states. And it's very important to have that ability to not only provide this everywhere, but do it efficiently, track who does what and everything like that. So you have a staff of approximately 25 employees. I'm not going to ask you what each person does, but are there different sectors of your company and how many people do you have in each department? I'd say a little more than half is involved in software development and you know, management of that process. 
and the rest are involved in you know client services and sales, just making sure that our, our users understand what we do and are able to use all the functionality efficiently. It's a really large platform that we have, and there's so much functionality in there that not everybody knows every single part of it. And we try to make those geographically dispersed, too. I've got people on my team in the Philippines, India, Dubai, South Africa, Italy, Nicaragua, the U.S., of course, so that we're spread all across the world, different time zones, major languages, uh, so that we're able to work with all of our different clients, because actually more than half of our user base is outside the U.S., What's the main priority outside of the U.S.? It's working with organizations that have some need for higher quality assessments, whether it's certification or licensure or K-12 benchmarks, university admissions. Uh, it doesn't really matter. The common thread through all of them is that they've got to develop and deliver high quality assessments with reliability and validity. And the process that goes in developing an assessment is 80, 90 percent the same, whether you're doing job skills, university admissions, K-12, math, benchmarking, and algebra. You have a big part in, in the education industry. And I, I notice you have 60-plus item types. Oh, generally categorized on you know, different types of families. You can have multiple choice. There's a couple different arrangements of that. you got open response, like short answers and essays. Voice response, there's a couple different uh, ways you can categorize that. There's graphing items. There is mathematics items, equation editor. Uh, so they fall under families like those. And as you mentioned, you work with employers, and they can build their own custom exams. Yeah, that's what we do is help people build their own exams. Uh, so we don't have an existing item bank, you know, prefab questions, a pool of 10,000, what's two plus two math questions for, you know, elementary math. We are designed entirely to work with organizations that want to develop their own assessments, whether it's medical certifications that are highly specialized, you know, assessments that are designed for curriculum for other countries. We work with ministries of education in various countries where they're building their own exams to their own curriculum. Uh, that's generally what we do. Okay, so now I get it. You have this great platform that is made for a certain sector or a, a specific use, not necessarily one use, but overall. So you're saying clients can go on and you have all these different things that they can choose from to help build this test that they will be giving, let's just say, a prospective uh, employee. Yes, exactly. And what makes us unique is that we add those AI elements like adaptive testing algorithms that I talked about earlier, because it's not hard to build a system to allow people to make their own multiple choice exams. It takes a lot of expertise to build a system that allows people to build their own adaptive exams and other advanced functionality. Yeah, let's jump into that real quick, because there are assessment companies out there. I really like your platform. I'm looking at it now, by the way, at assess.com, and we're talking two S's and two S's, A-S-S-E-S-S.com. They can put everything together. When did you start to integrate AI into your platform? Yeah, really, that goes back to the very early days. Adaptive testing is one of the earliest applications of AI in e-learning and education. It's because you're taking machine learning models, calibrating them on student data, and using that to automate things that normally only a human would do. The idea of adaptive testing has been around for millennia. You think about Socrates sitting around teaching his students, 
He gives them a question in the middle difficulty, let's say, and if they answer it right, he'll probably give them a little more difficult question and try to guide them in how they're thinking and how they're learning. Modern adaptive testing algorithms do the same thing, just based upon machine learning data science. And in fact, psychometrics is one of the earliest applications of that, too. I took an online course in data science from Johns Hopkins a couple of years ago, and the very first lecture in the course, they talked about one of the early applications of data science, and it was psychometrics. Could you explain for our audience and me, what is psychometrics? So psychometrics is the science of assessment. So we're studying the process of developing, analyzing, and scoring assessments themselves. And that's why I was saying it doesn't really differ all that much, whether it's a university admissions exam or let's say an employment skills exam, the general process of what goes into being a good question, how do you analyze the data to determine if the questions are too difficult or too confusing or too easy? The general mathematics around all that process is pretty much the same regardless of the type of assessments you're doing. Is there a learning curve there? <laughs> yeah, there definitely is. It took me a, a couple of years to wrap my head around the the whole field and finally get my feet under me. There's a bunch of good books out there. The one that um, really helped it sink in for me was Item Response Theory for Psychologists by Amberton and Reese, which was published in 2000. How far back does AI go? Do you know? Yeah, I'd say it goes back as far as computers go. But the research that our founder was doing in the 1970s is absolutely AI when you get down to it, and that he was you know, developing algorithms to customize the assessments for people. This was back when you had to do it running on a mainframe computer in cards with students sitting on a terminal. You know, it was far, far before what we think about now where it's easy to deliver exams to 10,000 people at once. And it's, is it more reliable in the information today as when the company first started? Because you were, you could only do this based on the, the data you have. And I can imagine that there's so much more data today than there was 20 years ago. Uh, yeah, exactly. Originally, when they were developing these models, you had to essentially give a test on paper first, get a bunch of data from people as much as you could, and try to fit the machine learning models on it, which back then, you know, originally they were doing it on paper calculations and eventually got to using computers, just like back in the day they were sending people to the moon using essentially paper calculations. But nowadays, there's just so much more data, and there's a new branch of psychometrics that gets into what we call process data. So it's not just what answer somebody gives to a question, it's how do they click around? Do they scroll? How much time do they spend? All of these things are or can be tracked by the, the software. So you can use those to get an even better, deeper understanding of what a student knows and where maybe we can help them. Yeah, I suppose 20 years ago, there, there were no heat maps or, or anything. <laughs> yeah, <help>. exactly. <laughs> That, that, yeah, that could help you out. There are a lot of assessment companies out there. How is the competition? It seems like you definitely have something to differentiate yourself, but I'm sure everybody has their own little sizzle that they want to sell. How, how crowded is the marketplace? Yeah, that's a very good point. You know, everybody has to find their niche. In the market, a lot of the listeners that are probably from the educational uh, world here in the U.S., when you think of assessments, you think of large K-12 testing companies in the U.S. And that market is pretty mature. And you've got a couple really large kingpins, and for good reason. They've got really good products. 
and they've had an item bank of 50,000 items that they've curated over the past 20 years, tons of great data, and they were able to provide very actionable insights into students. But that's not really where ASC's market is, like it, you know, was talking about earlier. We're kind of specifically into working with organizations that need to build their own exams, you know, either, you know, because they're doing something different other than K-12 formative assessments, whether it's some specific medical certification. Like we work with a couple very specific chiropractic advanced certification where you might only have 150 people take an exam per year. And in those cases, they're not going to get some pre-made item bank off the street. It's a panel of 10 experts in the field that are developing this test every year and giving it to 150 people. And, and what about now? And you know, when you look at all the data, how many different data points and numbers? It's got to be enormous that you're looking at. Oh, yeah. Some of our clients that we work with will do hundreds of thousands of exams per year. And they're essentially doing the same type of work that those large K-12 organizations are doing in the U.S., but they're building and delivering their own exams. So you, you can build an exam and use it and then move on. And while you have that, you can build something else. Is that correct? Platforms like ours don't have limits on numbers of users usually. So like if you're trying to make employment assessments, like let's say you're in charge of hiring people to work for the state of Minnesota. You've, you're hiring accountants, you're hiring truck drivers, you're hiring maintenance workers. There's so many different job families that you're working with. And each one of those might have its own team of people that are making their assessment. But you also have directors of assessments that are overseeing the process in generally. And they're letting the content subject matter experts focus specifically on their content, which is really where they should be spending their time. Is there a, a main theme in regards to the assessment that they would give? Or does it also check for plagiarism or anything else? What what kind of magic does this thing do? Yeah, it, a lot of it is about looking at the you know psychometrics of the questions themselves, being able to have automated uh, software that will take your data, so you make a test, you deliver it to a thousand people. How do you know if the scores are high quality or not if you just develop the test yourself? And our software has some unique reports that analyze different machine learning models and other types of psychometric analysis that will flag items for being too hard, too easy, too confusing. Uh, too many people chose B when the answer was C, not fitting the machine learning models correctly. All those types of flags are automated uh, so that it can save time for the you know, expensive experts that are working on developing these exams. So is your format one of those, if they're doing this type of thing, where it would automatically kick out some before a client would even see it? Yeah. Usually, well, usually what they do is pilot an exam or, in some cases, a certification exam. If you only deliver it once a year, you only deliver it once a year. And you write 200 questions, deliver it, look at the data, see if any items should be thrown out before you release your scores to the candidate. When you're talking about large-scale K-12 assessments, there's this huge, long process, and rightly so, where they're constantly developing new items piling it on students in an unscored manner, throwing out the items before students see them in a scored approach if you know, the item ends up being bad. And there's a lot of work that goes into that, and we try to automate that as well. Do some of your clients reach out to you and ask for something to be added to that 60-plus list of available items? Yeah, that frequently happens to us in that our clients say, hey, we want a new item type. 
or we want a new adaptive test algorithm. You know, we just added multi-stage testing over the past couple months for one of our clients, which is a special way of adapting tests to students. Or they might want to get into language assessment, foreign language assessment, that is, and being able to test people on that. We've got one client interested in automated essay scoring, which is something I've done some research on, and we're looking to figure out how we can implement the code I wrote for that in our platform. And that kind of leads me to my next question. Where do you see the future, Nate, of, of assessments, of AI, of this whole world that you live in? Are we getting ready to, to jump a level to something no one's heard of or something unique? Yeah, we absolutely are uh, because, like you were saying before, we get, we're getting more and more data that we could use. And when you get down to it, the purpose of assessment is to provide useful data about humans so that you can make hiring decisions more effectively than you can with interviews. There's vast corpus of research that shows assessments are far better at predicting that. So that you could have formative assessments that provide good feedback to students on where are their weak areas. There's so many ways that having a good assessment can positively impact our society, whether it's in certification or employment or university assessments or K-12. And the amount of data that's available will only help us improve that if we can figure out how we can efficiently leverage it. That is that is awesome. Technology is just blows me away. Maybe that's why I do the Ed North EdTech podcast. I keep thinking about Steve Jobs coming out in 2007 and introducing the iPhone and how far we've come from there. And I'm not talking about Apple in general. I'm just talking about technology. So is technology made your job easier or does it sometimes make it a little more difficult? Yeah, sometimes it makes it more difficult, especially if there's additional options and you know people aren't sure what they're trying to do and you often need some sort of uh, catalyst to uh, drive you towards that and we've certainly seen that a lot in the past year and a half with uh, the covid pandemic e-learning distance learning has been out there for a long time but covid really pushed that and forced people to adapt to that even if it was extra work to learn how to do it or migrate their courses into a new e-learning platform the same thing actually happened in the assessment industry very widely over the past year and a half. Because you think about it, you've got certification exams that might have delivered their assessment at their annual conference on paper. They might rent a room at a hotel when they have their conference, put 80 people in there and give their test on paper. Well, suppose their conference got canceled last summer because of COVID. They're going to call somebody like me and say, hey, how do we digitalize our exam and deliver it to remote proctoring and using live webcam streaming? and do it within two months. And so there's a huge learning curve and transition curve that comes in doing something like that. But it's it's something that's going to improve the accessibility of their assessment and being able to reach more people and do so more efficiently as we go into the future. If someone gives out an assessment, I'm just curious if if you're privy to the, the data to examine that and see if it matches what uh, you think it should. Uh, yeah, and we have research partnerships with a number of our larger clients that are, you know, they say, here's our assessment data. How can we improve this? What are some new AI algorithms that you think might make our assessments more efficient? What are new technologies like automated essay scoring that you think might improve how we do our work? Wow. There's some amazing stuff going on. And Nate Thompson, PhD, uh, you're a uh, proctologist? Is that? No. 
That's, 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 well. Psychometrician. Oh, okay. Sorry. Wrong person. Never mind. Nate Thompson, <laughs> Nate, Nate Thompson, who is the CEO and CPO at Assessment Systems. Nate, if someone would like to reach out to you, what would be the best way? Oh, you certainly can reach out directly to me by email. My email is nthompson at assess.com. I'm also on Twitter with at Adaptive Testing. And on LinkedIn is usually where I you know, focus my social media efforts because that's you know, generally where people in my field hang out. It's not a TikTok uh, crowd? Okay. <laughs> no, oh. not exactly. <laughs> uh, generally people who just love algorithms and data science. Nate Thompson. Thank you so much for joining us on the Ed North EdTech podcast. Anything that, that we didn't cover that, that you'd like to share? Oh, well, just thank you for inviting me uh, to be on here. It's been a pleasure talking to you. And just, I suppose it's apt to summarize some of the things I was saying that there's so much AI, we can still apply in assessments. A lot of the attention with AI has gone onto the learning side of the equation and for good reason. But the amount of attention that the assessment side is often underserved. And there's still a lot of ways that we can improve assessments for the world and thereby provide better information about it. When we're talking assessments, what if something went wrong? This could dramatically change a person's life just based on someone putting in a wrong number or something, perhaps. Maybe I'm overdoing it, but in general, I no. Oh, you're exactly right. And there's apocryphal tales like that in the industry. Like, I remember. When I was in graduate school, there was a scoring error on the Minnesota state exams. And the word that I heard was that at the time, the publisher wanted to get the items to fit better on the booklet. So they switched two questions in how they were arranged on the booklet so that the whole typeface worked better. But they didn't tell the people who ran the exam and scored it. So it was a pretty innocuous change in that they were just trying to you know, make things fit better on the page, but it ended up drastically affecting a number of people taking a high school graduation exam. Uh, one final thing, a website. Where can people go to learn more? Our website is assess.com, A-S-S-E-S-S.com, um, and there's a lot of resources up there as well. We've got a YouTube channel of videos about introduction to psychometrics, understanding some of the machine learning models, how adaptive testing works. We've got a number of free software programs to help people understand psychometrics and what goes into making better assessments. All right. Nate Thompson, PhD, CEO and CPO of Assessment Systems. Thank you so much for joining us on the Ed North EdTech Podcast. Wow, that is some interesting stuff. Thanks again to Nate Thompson for joining us on the Ed North EdTech Podcast. Uh, make sure you subscribe wherever you listen. It is available at ednorth.org. You can also listen to the Ed North EdTech Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Pandora, Player FM, Stitcher, Radio.com, TuneIn, and the list goes on. So check it out. And thank you on behalf of the Ed North EdTech Podcast. I'm Dave Swerdlick and looking forward to sharing another interesting guest real soon.